if, if you weren't here last week, go ahead and go on to our podcast and listen to that word. Shameless plug for the podcast, but also because it was a good word. And what we talked about last week is this. We talked about being image bearers of God. And if we know who God is, we can see ourselves for who we truly are. Not the negative words that other people have spoken, but who God truly says we are. And so that's going to set us up for what we're talking about tonight. Um, And so we're just going to get into it, but I want to pray for us first. Is that okay? All right, let's bow our heads. Lord God, thank you so much for this privilege to speak. I don't take this moment lightly, God, and I pray that as uh, we do come into the house of the Lord, that we would honor you, Uh, that whether or not we're sure if you even exist, God, uh, we would take a chance tonight and say, hey, God, speak to me. I'm going to honor your house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen in, not to this random girl on the stage, but I'm going to listen in to what you might be speaking to me. Uh, and we believe you're going to speak tonight, God, and our hearts are open and ready for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, first of all, I just want to give a big shout out to Taylor and Noel, who are our youth pastors here. Can we give it up for them, you guys? Thank you guys for giving me a platform, even at a young age, and other young leaders like Leilani, shout out to you, who are doing amazing ministry for all of our awesome worship leaders who are up here on the stage. And if you guys don't know, maybe you've never gone to another church or gone to maybe other youth groups or kind of seen how they do it, that's kind of like super not normal. And a lot of the time what happens is all the adults who are really old, so then they're really smart and they're, like, really qualified, they get to go up on stage, but the young people don't. But we have some awesome youth pastors here who realize that young people have something to say and that young people can be used by God, and that's every single one of you in this room. So let's give it up once again, knowing that, for Taylor and Noel, who are our amazing youth pastors. Thank you, guys. Yeah. More coin. That's a great band. Uh, But what we are going to talk about tonight is the word represent. So if you want to write down a title for this message, you can call it represent. Everyone say represent. I saw Jack Schaefbauer with like the cool white guy like represent. Sorry, Jack. (laughs) Okay, so some things that we represent. There's represent, right? There's represent and there's represent. And there's some different things that we represent in our lives, right? So I know that Robbie Cater represents some Travis Scott. He's all about the rap game. So I know Robbie represents Travis on his Instagram with all his polls about which song is his favorite. And if, a real, if you're a real one, you'll know, right? And some of you guys might represent Nike. We got our Nike people. We got some people who represent, there are Adidas people. Am I right? Okay. Maybe some Under Armour. What, oh, yeah. What about the Vans? I swear. Half the room is like, yeah, I represent Vans. You're not a brand ambassador. Also, to all you girls who repost those dumb Nike and Lululemon things, you're not going to be a brand ambassador. That's a fake account. Don't post that on your story. That's literally it. I know that you're 12, and you might want to be a brand ambassador. They're even if it was real, they're not going to pick you, and, and it's okay. But you guys, there are some things in our life that we represent, okay? So you got some brands. You got some music you might represent. Maybe you're like a cool indie person, and so you represent, 
Leah, that's you. You're a cool indie person. Okay, so we got some different things in our life that we represent. Maybe, maybe you represent as a gamer. Maybe you love to play video games. You're out here early. You come here. You beat everyone in Mario Kart. I don't know. I have fallen off Rainbow. I, I literally can't finish a round of Rainbow Road. That's not an exaggeration. I'm that bad. But hit me up on Coconut Mall, and I got you. It's the only map I literally can do because I memorized it. Um, but we got all these things we represent, okay? Are we tracking? Here are some things that I represent, and maybe you can think about this for you. So write them down, some things that you represent in your life. One of the things that I represent would be volleyball players. If you don't know any volleyball players in your life, and you meet me, and I tell you I play volleyball, to you, I now represent volleyball players, right? You're like, I don't know any other ones, so you represent that in my life, okay? To a random person at the grocery store, when I'm wearing my Tahoma Volleyball sweatshirt, I represent Tahoma Volleyball, right? I represent white people, right? I represent females. These are all categories I fall into. I represent real life church. I represent undivided, especially when you wear the merch. So you guys can think for yourself, what are the areas that you represent? It's okay if some of them are stereotypes because sometimes stereotypes are true. So we have all these things in our life that we represent. And one of the things that I always was told growing up that I represented, and I hated it so much, was I represented my parents. Has anyone ever been told this in a lecture? You represent me. Okay, thank you. Thank you for relating. You can put your hands down, and I have a story to tell you about representing my parents. So I have one older sister, just the two of us, best buds. We fought all the time, but we really love each other. So when we were young, we are like six years old. She's six. I'm four. We're going to the grocery store. We love the grocery store. My mom said, okay, we're going to Costco. And we're like, oh, yes, samples. So we're like, let's go. We go get in the car, six years old, four years old. We're sitting. We're heading to Costco. And my mom whips into the parking lot. You know, she probably yelled at like three people on her way because everyone was cutting her off. And then she realized, oh, wait, that lady goes to church with me. And then she went and she parked anyways. And we're, you know, we're like hasty. We're unbuckling the little booster seat. I don't know. How old are you? Four? Yeah, booster seat age, right? Okay. Yeah, we're unbuckling. We're reaching for the door. Of course, we had child locks. So we're like yanking the door, and she's like, mm-mm. She's like, you're not getting out. And my mom puts it in park. She turns off Celine Dion, and she turns around. Probably Shania Twain, to be honest. Man, I feel like a woman. That was my soundtrack growing up. She turns around. Girls. And we're just yanking on the door. And she's like, no, Amanda, Michaela, look at me. We look her in the eyes, and we're like, what did we do wrong? All we did was pull on the door, Mom. And she's like, when we go into this Costco... You walk with your hands behind your back. You don't touch anything. If you want a sample, you ask me first. We will walk up. We will get in the line. You will say please, and you will say thank you. You will eat it with your mouth closed, and then you will throw the trash in the trash can. And we're like, yes. And most of all, you will walk around with your hands behind your back because my mom knew that as kids, you know, you just go in a store and you want to grab things. We all still do it. You're up in Forever 21, take every single thing off the hanger, and then you just put it right, you just put it somewhere else, and you're like, that was messed up of me, but you just act like 
It's their job. That's wrong. We shouldn't do that, people. But my mom said, you, when we go into this Costco, you are a representation of me. And I'm like, oh, mom, that's the ultimate guilt trip right there, right? Because if I do something wrong, you're telling me that it, it all comes back to you, like my, my things that I mess up on, if I grab something off the shelf and dump it, it's going to represent you badly? She's like, yes, that is what I'm saying. And so everywhere we went in our childhood, we walked with our hands behind our back. Probably looked like we were in like a cult or something, just like two little children like walking around like this in the store. We actually, that's not a lie. I'm not exaggerating that story. We actually did that growing up. But the thing was, is that my mom told me that I represent her. And we, and we talked about that a little bit last week, right? Taylor was talking about how his kids are truly a representation of him, even in the way down to how they look, right? And we learned that down to the way we even look, down to the way God created us, even our outward image and our innermost parts are created in his image. So we truly are a representation of who God is. So now that we know we can walk in that truth, we kind of have to understand what it means to represent God. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The thing is for me is as I got older, that representing my mom, that representing my dad kind of felt like a lot of pressure. I don't know if anyone else has ever felt any pressure to, to perform and to achieve things because, you know, pressure's on when you're representing your parents. Pressure's on when what if the family knows that you failed and you're getting compared to your cousins, you're getting compared to your other siblings, right? And so I had to feel the weight of re representing my parents and, and being like, you know, sometimes that pressure is just too much. But here's the crazy thing is we're now, now that we know we're image bearers of God and we represent God, if, if I feel the pressure from representing my mom, how much more should I feel the pressure on my shoulders of representing the one true God, knowing that I'm in his image and now I have a status to uphold in who he is? So there's a little bit of a weight to, to what we do here as Christians. And I love that there are so many of us in the room and, and we're not even sure what we believe. And I love that. I love that we're here and we're curious and we want to be here to have fun and have friends. But I think it's also good for us to acknowledge that there's a weight to representing Jesus. There's a weight to representing Christ. And there are people in our world who were the representative of this organization to them. We're the representative in their life of what a volleyball player looks like, of what um, a person who goes to Kentwood looks like. We're the representative of what someone who follows God looks like. And this is our, this is our chance, right, in this world to go to make a difference in these people's lives and let them know, hey, I'm going to be a representative for Christ. I'm going to fail for sure, but I'm going to do my best to represent I'm going to do my best to stand up straight, say my please and thank yous, put my trash right in the trash can after I take my sample. All those things in our life, we have the choice to represent Christ or, or really just not. And so what we're going to get into tonight is a, a story in the Bible called the parable of the talents. Um, the parable of the talents is also called uh, the bags of silver. So in this story, here's how it goes. Three men, one boss. Okay, there's one boss. He's got three servants, and he tells them, 
I'm going on a trip, okay? He's going on a trip, and he says, I'm going to be away for a long, long time, so I'm going to give each one of you some of my money. I'm like, okay, I'm making it, I'm making it out here as a servant. Like, I'm going to get some money finally after all my work. But what he tells them is this, I want you to take care of it, to treasure it, because I'm going to give you something you didn't have before. At first you were void, at first you had nothing, and now I'm going to give you something. So he gives each of the men some of his money. He gives one man five coins, okay, five talents. You're like, okay, sounds good. I like five. He gives the next man three, and then the next man, he gives one. And I don't know about you, but if I had one, I'd be looking over like, where's my five? But that's not how the story goes. So we are going to open up to Roman. Oh, sorry, not Romans. We are going to open up to Matthew. It's in chapter 25, verse 14. And it is going to be on the screens for you guys if you do not have your Bibles. But go ahead and open up your Word. Open up your Bible app. Maybe you don't use your Bible app, but you have it. This is a great time to use it. And you know what? You can highlight something. You just tap it, and then the little highlight thing comes up. And you can do it in yellow or pink or whatever colors you like. And if you have never used your Bible, but you want to start, why not tonight? So grab out your Bible app. Go ahead, Matthew 25. No one's going to judge you. In fact, they're probably going to think that you have a lot of courage because they've been really wanting to bring their Bible, but they're not sure if you're going to bring your Bible. And so they don't bring their Bible, and you never bring yours. And look where you're at now. So get out your word, Matthew 25. I only say it because I've been there. So it says this in verse 14. And you guys, some context here. This is Jesus talking. So if you're looking in your Bible, the letters are in red. That's Jesus. Jesus is important in this book, if you weren't sure. So Jesus is writing in red. And who he's talking to is he's talking to his disciples. He's up on this giant mountain, and he's telling his disciples all kinds of stories because they are seeking him out for wisdom. They're like, we heard your God. We believe you. We've been following you for a while now. So every time he speaks, it's time to listen. So Matthew 25 Verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last man, dividing the portions according to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. But the servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used that money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me your five bags to invest, and I went and earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you even more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. He goes on to have this process 
with the second man and his two talents. This man, he went out, he took his two talents and multiplied them and came back with four. The master was so pleased, so thankful, so grateful. And then he gets to the man with the one talent. And the man with the one talent, he says that the man with the one talent says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. He's basically saying, you've got some tough standards. You're a really difficult boss to work with. And I I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. I have it for you. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I was this harsh boss, why didn't you just deposit the money in the bank? At least then it could have earned some interest. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it back to the one with the ten bags. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even the little that they have, it's going to be taken away. Everyone say represent. Okay, just making sure you're still here. So the thing is with these these three young servants is that they were all given something that they never had before. And this is how we are with Jesus. This is how we are with God is that we've been given a life and we've been given gifts. We've been given all kinds of things that correlate to the image of God that we never, ever had before. That's, that's the fact right there. That's what we talked about last week. But we have a choice and we have a mandate to do something with what was given to us. That's what you need to write down, is that we have a choice to do something with what was given to us. And as image bearers of God, we represent who he is. So when he gives us a gift, we have a few choices. We have the choice to bury that gift. We have the choice to multiply that gift. Here's the crazy thing about burying it, is that when we bury the gift that he was given to us, nothing happens with it, right? It sits in the ground. It doesn't get worse. It doesn't get better. But it never gets used for the kingdom. And when we choose to multiply and we choose to go out in faith, taking what God did give us, it doesn't matter if it's five, three, or one. We're able to please the master. And there's a few things we're going to talk about tonight that we have to understand if we really want to step into that life. If we really want to say, you know, I see what you're saying here. I've been given some gifts, and I want to multiply them. There's some things that I think we have to kind of shake off a little bit. There's some things that we have to step into, and there's some choices we have to make if we, if we want to have that kind of life. Um, a quick story about me as another, as a kid, because I'm not that old. So, I mean, I really have no other stories to tell. So, is that okay if I tell you guys a story? Okay. So, again, this brings up my sister. You guys, we need to just, everyone in prayer, her name's Amanda. Just pray she moves back to Washington. I just miss her. Can you do that for me? So, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be, like, sentimental, but, I mean, it is now. So, you guys, when we were young, um, anyone the younger sibling, anyone the younger sibling, okay, anyone the younger sibling, and you just, like, you had those moments 
where you know you were the younger, annoying sibling. Just be honest. It's okay. Some of you are like, no, I'm cool, and my older sibling is the annoying one. You're probably wrong, but it's okay. We have to accept our fate as the younger sibling. We're just annoying sometimes. So for me, you guys, here's what it was. I was the annoying younger sister who wanted to hang out with the big kids, okay? Some of you still relate. Maybe you feel like you're hanging out with the big kids tonight. Welcome. We love you, and you're not annoying. But that is how I felt growing up, okay? I felt like the younger, annoying sister. And here's what would happen, okay? My sister and Allie Hansen and Erin O'Hara would come over. Only David knows those names truly and deeply. And they, he probably hated all of them in middle school. But they would come over to my house after school with their blue monsters and their flaming hot Cheetos. That is just disgusting. Some of you guys put some nasty things in your body. You need to get it under control. But they would come home and they would put on um, Comedy Central. What the heck? They're like in middle school. That is so... What? Comedy Central? But they're watching Comedy Central. And then I would get home being younger right? You get off the bus later, that whole thing. And I would come home and be so excited because I knew that my big sister was home and I was going to get to go hang out. And so I would, I would put in the garage code, all excited, shut the little garage thing, run inside, shut the garage, go inside, kick my shoes off. I'm like, hey guys. And they're just zoned into the TV. They don't look at me. They don't say hi, right? It's okay. I'm good now, but thank you. And, you know, you're sad. You're like, I just want to be cool, right? So being the younger sister, not being cool, not being included, I had to do something to get attention. Anyone else ever been there? Maybe you can't acknowledge it. It's okay. One day you will. So had to get attention somehow, right? And so being young, being bold, being loud, I would just be so dramatic. I would be so dramatic. I'd be like, you guys, I have a story to tell you from school today. Like just something to get them to like me, something to get the older kids to want to listen to me. And I would make up probably some of the most outlandish, wild stories. And they're like, we literally don't believe you. You know, we know you're lying, right? Like they literally (laughs) know that it was fake. And I just wanted to be liked so bad. And so I remember this one day where I'm trying to get their attention. They don't want to hang out with me. You know, they're probably all going upstairs to go shut the door and, like, you know, what is it called when you, like, connect, call, like, all your friends, like, mean girls? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I'm dumb. Okay, anyways. So, right, they're making, they're doing a group call with all their friends before FaceTime, and they're shutting the door not letting me in. And so I play my music super loud in my room because, you know, got to get attention. My sister comes in bangs on the door, opens it up, and flings it open. I'm, like, sitting on my bed being like, yes, she's going to come hang out with me. And she's like, you are so loud. Why won't you shut up? That's sad, right? Everyone's like, I know. I know. That's just mean. It just felt mean saying it. But that's true. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're right. But also I'm, like, sad because I'm like, oh, you're my big sister. That's so mean, right? She said, you are so loud, why don't you shut up? You can never stop talking. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. I can never stop talking. I I don't shut up. I am loud, and I never stop talking. Those three things are pretty true. And so continually, I remember that, that one instant didn't, like, scar me, but I took it to heart. And there were some more times, you know, my as we got older and older, where my sister would tell me, you know what, you're just so bossy. 
And you always are just wanting to be the leader. You always want to just be the leader of the group. And you're not. You're the young one. Be quiet. Sit down, okay? Be humble. Sit down, okay? So that's what she would say to me. And I'm like, you know, that hurts. But, but it built up. And I felt like, you're right. You know what? I'm super loud. I always want to be in charge. And maybe I just need, true, maybe I just need to be quiet. Maybe I just need to silence myself. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these qualities that are, uh, that are very true about me, and I'm going to take them and I'm going to bury them in the ground. I'm going to bury them in the ground. And it's not good, but it's not bad. And I'm just going to let them stay here, over here, in the soil And I'm just not going to do anything with it because I'm so scared of being who I am. I'm so scared of of being a leader. I'm so scared of of being loud or being told that I need to be quiet. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to put it over here. And we have this guy right here in the parable who said, I'm so scared of what my master might do that I'm going to go, I'm going to take this talent he gave me, even though I had nothing before, and I've been gifted with this one little piece of wealth, I'm just going to bury it, because it's not, I'm just too scared to try out, to try something, to go out and try and multiply, and I think there's some of us in here who we have a talent, we have something, maybe you've been shamed for it, maybe not, but you have something, and you're just so scared to multiply it, you're so scared to step out, that it's been over here, it's been buried, and you're not willing to even try something, to try and multiply. We say, there's devos. You're like, I can't do that, but you've been given a gift to teach. You're so good with the young kids, why wouldn't you go to devos? You said, I'm so good with people, like, when I hang out with people, like, they just love it. I, I, like, I'm the one who runs the room. But we, you can't come out to storehouse and serve and pray with people because you're just so scared God might multiply your gift. And we live in fear over here, burying our gift way down deep. And it's not bad, but it's not good. And there's nothing that's going to happen with our gift. And can I tell you that I wouldn't be on stage if I had shut up. I wouldn't be on church staff if I had said, you know what, you're right. I want to be in charge. I'll just never lead anything. If I believed that lie and I believed that I needed to bury the one gift I was given, then everything in my life would be drastically different. I could be quiet in the back of the room. I could be the shyest person, never talk to anyone, never reach out to my friends, never reach out to my teammates or my teachers, and things would look different. There might be different people in this room because of that decision. But here's the thing. I'm not that important. I'm not that great, but you guys, you are. Okay, so you've got some people in your life who this room's going to look different in a year. This room's going to be overflowing in a year because instead of bearing your gift, you're going to pick that gift up and you're going to begin to say, you know what, I'm not going to walk in fear anymore. I'm going to start to multiply my gift. I'm going to start to reach out and say, you know what, God, maybe God's a good God. Maybe the master isn't like this master in the story. Maybe this master is a God that I'm made in the image of. And I have the ability to step out, and he's going to bless me when I step out, and I'm going to use my gift to minister to someone. And then this room can look different in a year. This room, those little side wings that are dark, yeah, maybe the lights will be on, and maybe people will be filling them because of what you're choosing to do. That was a whole tangent. That wasn't even my message. 
here's the thing that the master says to this man. Uh, This is in the message version. He says this. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? He said, you knew, you knew I was a ma- master who demanded a lot. I had high standards. I was kind of strict on you guys. You know, I, I cracked the whip. And so if you knew that about me, why would you do less than the least? And I want to ask us that question, question tonight. You can write that down. What am I doing in my life that's less than the least? I just feel like God's going to reveal to some of us right now there's something in your mind already. You're thinking about it. Just type it down in your phone notes. Write it down. Write it on your wrist. I don't know. Do what you need to do. But what, what are you doing in your life that's less than the least? And God's, God's called you to do more. And here's the thing. You don't have a master like this man. You have a good master. You have a good God. You have a God who sent his son to the cross for you. And so all he is there to do is to support you, to uplift you, and he wants to see you fulfill your giftings. He's not a strict master. So last story here is, um, who has a job? Anyone? Job? Good job. You guys, that's, that's a lot of you. I'm proud of you guys. It's hard having a job in high school. So I had this job at a store called Nike. You may have heard of it. And at this job, we had to wear the Nike uniform, right? We had to represent the clothes and, you know, be really happy and shiny and look athletic. Like, no, that wasn't athletic at all. You're all like, you sure you played volleyball? And so here's the thing. Every couple months, we would get a new uniform. We would get these new uh, shirts and new sweatshirts. And so you could wear the shirt or the sweatshirt or whatever you wanted, but it had to be one of the two items that was new for every three months. And so we get our new hot pink running shirt. It's like you need a different type of shirt to run. That doesn't even make sense. But okay. So we get the new, some of you runners in there are like, no, it's the aerodynamics. I don't know. Okay. So we get our new running shirt. We get our sweatshirt. And I go into work, and I'm probably coming from church, so I'm, like, running late. I run into the break room, go into the bathroom to go change, put on my Nike leggings, put on my Nike tennis shoes, my whole getup, and I go out, clock in, do my whole thing. I'm like, I made it on time, like, low-key five minutes late, but they don't know that. And, you know, I'm sitting there at the register, and one of my managers, he comes over to me, and he was like, he was like the nicest guy. So I'm going to paint him as kind of mean right now, but he was very nice. And his... Wow, I don't even remember his name. I was going to say it's Chad, but that was not this manager. That was a different Chad. But he comes up and he's like, Michaela, you can come over here for a second. Like, that's the worst as a boss. You're just like, what did I do? And I'm like, yeah, like, okay. You know, being shiny, because that's what you do at Nike. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, hey, your leggings have a rip. I'm like, what? And at first I'm like, (gasps) like, if you rip your pants, that's not good, right? And he's like, no, no, like on the leg. And down at the bottom of the leggings, there's a little rip, little rip on the leggings. And I was like, oh, like, that's kind of weird that he's like telling me. It's like, oh, thanks. Like, who cares? Like, it's a tiny little rip in the bottom. And he's like, yeah, those, those leggings have a rip. And I really need you to fix that. And I was like, okay, dude, but like, I'm just clocked on. Like, what do you mean? 
And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I was like, well, it just like snagged on something the other day. Like, I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Like, I just didn't even think of it. And he's like, well, yeah, I, but the thing is that people are going to see that. And I was like, yeah, but people are going to see what? Like, a, just a little rip? And he's like, yeah, but the way that you wear the clothes represents the company. He's like, this represents Nike. And I was like, well, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, your leggings, the ones that ripped. Like, I didn't rip them, you know, but... I was like, okay, um, do you want me, like, I was like, okay, for sure, I, I totally understand, you know, you don't want me to wear, you know, ripped products at work, so, you know, tomorrow when I clock on, I'll make sure, you know, I get rid of these, I'll fix them, I won't wear them anymore. He's like, no, it's, it's not enough to just wait, you need to go take your 10, you need to go get your other leggings out of your bag, and go put them on, because you can't wear a ripped product, and I'm like, like, okay, dude, you're kind of being intense. Like, I'm like, okay, I really have to go take my, you know, break right now to go change? He's like, yeah, just, just take your break now and go do it. I'm like, okay. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to be mean here, but the thing is, what you wear tells everyone in this store a story about Nike. And if, and if those leggings are ripped, what does that say? That says, we don't care about our stuff here. Uh, we don't keep it well, or it's a bad product. It's going to fall apart. And I just can't have that. So you need to change now. And guys, this is, this is us. We represent our company. We represent the name of God. We're image bearers of God. And we represent him. So now with every single step we take with the image of God running through our veins, we either defame the name of God and we say, hey, it's not a good product. Or we can say, Yes, the image of God is good. The image of God is something worth living for. It's actually a great product, and you're going to want to get five because the image of God is not something that we can just fling around and waste away. When we have the knowledge that God actually created us with intention, with purpose, that his life is running through our veins, then what are we waiting for? It's time to change now. It's not time to wait until later. It's time to step up and say, you know what? Maybe there are some things that you gave me. Maybe now that I'm an image bearer of God, there are some talents. There are some silver that you've deposited into my life. And I'm kind of done just burying it and having nothing happen. It's not good. It's not bad. But you might as well not have it at all. And when we're image bearers of God, we decide to step up and say, no, it's time. It's time for me to take my talents, to take my actual talents, my silver, and go and try to multiply it here. So I want to leave you with three questions that we want to ask ourselves about bearing God's image. Can I accept that the master has good things for me? And I think some of us in this room the, the very first place we need to start is, is that. We're kind of on this page where we still feel like the master's after us. Or maybe some, some negative things, some not so fun things have happened in our family. And so we just feel like, you know, what you're saying is kind of inspiring, like rah, rah, re, but God doesn't have good things for me. And I'm here to tell you he does. That, that God sent his son to the cross so that those negative things that are coming for you, they're actually part of a greater plan to grow you and that God, the enemy has no 
touch on what God can do in your life. So those things that have happened, those things that have held you down, they are not a reflection of who Christ is in your life and that Christ actually has a greater plan. So we have to first accept that the master does have good things for us. The second thing is that we need to really ask ourselves, and this is, this is the one I'm most guilty of, guys, is do I bury my gift because it's only one or do I multiply? When I look to the left, when I look to the left as the kid who was told to shut up, the kid who was told you're just, you want to be in charge so bad and you're not, so be quiet. You know what I could have looked at? could have looked at the person with three. You know what? She's really pretty. Everyone likes her. Everyone listens to her. Everyone thinks she's hot. Everyone thinks she's popular. This girl over here, she's got five. She has a boyfriend. All the guys want to text her. All the guys want to FT late at night. And I don't have that. So I kind of just want to be like this person over here. Because to me, it seems like they have three or they might have five. But, you know, we have this one over here. And if we were to just invest that, we don't know what God was going to do with it. We don't know what was going to happen with this one servant if he were to multiply his one. And so I would just want to encourage each and every one of you. Maybe you're looking to your left and to your right right now, and you feel like there's someone who's a better musician than you. There's someone who's a better athlete than you. There's someone who has a better speaking voice. They're prettier. They'll probably want to be on, they're going to want them on the worship team more than me. We don't care. We don't care about that stuff. God doesn't care about that stuff. He made you to be you. And so you've got some gifts and some talents in, the, in you that if you've, feed the lie that someone has once told you, you're never going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be. The last one is this, as I invite the band to come forward. Am I ready to unbury the gift and multiply for the master? We got to acknowledge that for every single one of us, maybe you feel like Hey, I'm good. I'm a good Christian. And we get in that trap. Let me just tell you, if, if you resonate with that statement and you feel like you're a good Christian, no, you're not. Neither am I. We're not good Christians. But maybe you feel like I've had it, I've had it together and I'm kind of good. I step out. I do invite my friends to school. I invite my friends to Young Life. I invite my friends to go to the football game with me and we don't go to a party after. Like, look at me. Okay, congrats. But there is always something that we've buried. There's always something that's still in the ground. Something that we've let just, just stay over here. It's not bad. It's not good. But we're just content to leave it buried. And what God wants to say to you tonight is that there is a piece of you that was made in his image on purpose for a purpose that is ready to be ignited. There's something deep in you that you've been holding on to for a long time. You've been questioning, you know, my very own sister told me, shut up, you can't speak. People don't wanna hear what you have to say. Maybe you've just looked to the sides and you've seen people doing it better or you've seen people with a gift that looks better than yours somehow. And God's saying, would you just unbury that one piece of silver that I gave you? Would you just unbury it 
and have an open hand. Maybe go deposit in the bank, earn some interest on it, put in the time. You don't know if that teacher is going to let you have a Bible study in their class. Why don't you go ask? Did you ever ask? Well, I can't get them. Did you ever go ask? Just unbury the seed a little bit tonight. Ask the Lord, what are those gifts you gave me? Maybe I've been looking at that thing that you gave me in my family and I've seen it as a curse. God, my parents are split up. That's such a curse. How could you do that to me? And yet some of you are gonna end up on a stage just like this ministering to a group of kids who have parents who are split up and it's not gonna seem like a curse anymore. It's not gonna be fearful to bury it anymore. You're gonna say, why didn't I multiply earlier? This is a room full of souls here that has the potential to change more souls who are not here right now. Let's all go ahead and stand tonight and bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, as we worship, as we pour out our hearts to you, would you speak to us? Would you remind us that the things that you've put in our heart, they were not meant to be buried. They were not meant to be neutral, but that they were meant to be multiplied tonight. We recognize that you're a good father. We recognize that you are a good master. You're not a master who commands things from us. You're not a master who wants to see our failure. You're a master who wants to see our success. You're trusting us with this responsibility of this world. You're trusting us to be the image bearers of God. And tonight, we take that responsibility on. We have some student leaders in here tonight who you're feeling right now a calling on your heart to step out in an idea you've had in your school, an idea you've had in your family, maybe with some people right here in this room. Maybe there's someone you need to go apologize to. And the Lord is not, his word will not return void. He's prompting you to do that. And it's up to us to take that step and to say, you know what, Lord, I trust that you're a good master. You don't have bad for me. I'm not gonna look to my left and to my right anymore. I'm gonna say there's something you gave me, something I'm ready to step out in that is unlike what anyone else has. I'm ready to step into the good thing that you have given me to multiply. So as we worship tonight, God, we thank you. We thank you that there are hearts in this room who are getting ready to receive what you have long been awaiting to give them a word from you, God, and we thank you for this. We choose to multiply in your name. Amen. Your love so deep.